This, this is a perfect basketball team, you guys. We're winning the Natty this year. And Jack Hoiberg, he's taking us to the promised land. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, of course, by the man who flips his commitments, Kevin Greck. Greckers, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm great. Oh, you know, I'm coming up with a joke about flipping commitments. Uh, this is, oh, hey, um, to my wife listening right now, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> surprise. Uh, I am running away with my kids. And to any of my other family members listening uh, on either side of the family, that was a joke. That was a joke. Until it's not. not a joke. Yeah. Conti- continue. Continue. Uh, folks, of course, thank you for listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. If we could ask you a small favor, share the podcast with friends in your life, uh, you know, particularly if they like the Spartans. Give the show a retweet, a like, you know, do that favor. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. And of course, of course, follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod. Grekers, we got a packed show this week. Of course, we start the show off with the green wall where we're going to start with some basketball because we got to celebrate those W's. Yeah, but uh, I want to talk about football signing day. We'll get there. No. And of course, we are going to have to talk about the largest single donation ever made to MSU Athletics. Uh, then we will head off Grand River, uh, chatting about some topics that are not MSU specific before we preview the games ahead in the next week and then uh, follow, the, follow it all up and top it off with some Twitter questions from our listeners I don't want to delay any longer uh, because that has been some of our feedback actually on the old survey machine. Oh, look at us. See, dear listener, you give us feedback. We take it. We process it. We listen to it. We say we're going to follow it, but then I do this segment to slow <laughs> the whole thing down. All I right. ruin the whole thing in the end. Not to worry, dear listener. Let's start off. Uh, so this past week in basketball, uh, Michigan State played both Iowa and then yesterday as a wait, was it Friday, Friday. Do you even know what day it is? I do don't know where you are, Michael Jones. <laughs> I don't. Do we have to order a wellness check on you, <laughs> please? Anyway, uh, at some point in time, Michigan State played uh, Iowa, lost 84 to 78 in Iowa City and then uh, had Nebraska back home and won. Um, so. Let's start with the Iowa game uh, where Aaron Henry had a career game. And in many ways, um, we could spend some time. Uh, I could probably spend conservatively four hours talking about the foul calls in that game. Um, and uh, frankly, that Fran there's McCaffrey- no one here to uh, with plum not on the pod this week. There's no one here to defend the init- the officials. So this is your chance. Pile so, on, well, baby. Pile yeah, on. Take this opportunity. Uh, and that Iowa's bench went off in ways that uh, no one thought they were capable of. But um, I guess I, I want to pitch this question to you, and, and if you've got some yeah. thoughts on specific things, but um, it seems to me that in an ordinary year where Michigan State is good as compared mm-hmm. to this year where they are not, mm-hmm. um, that a six-point loss that was uh, within two with a minute left um, and was on the road 
against a front runner for player of the year. Right. We would say tough loss, but okay. You know, like I was near the top of the big 10. It's no big deal. And, but this team is not good. And that was the fourth loss in a row. And so it's a little bit harder to take the silver linings. Right. So if you're, if you're trying to square what you saw in that game against where this team is, how did you feel about it? I mean, I, I think we know that this team, well, first off, Iowa does things that lets you say go six for six, I think in the first half on three point shots. Sure. Like (laughs) now we were, we've been saying that MSU's offensive sets have been yielding open shots. They've just not been making them, but like Iowa lets you do them in rhythm and stuff. Like I would, I actually took more away from the second half of that game than the first half. I mean, I, We were talking about this during the game when MSU had hit every single one of its three-point shots and was still losing at the half. That's when I knew, like, well, we're not going to win this game. But the second half, they played a more complete and not impossible to keep up basketball game that I think is maybe the best half of basketball that we've seen in maybe the last eight games or something like that. I mean, I, it was, I mean, I the first half of against impressed. Purdue was pretty good. Yeah. The second, the second half was God awful, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's in the last eight halves of, of basketball. Oh, oh yes. Point, eight but, halves. Yes. Sure. Um, I like, I do think there were some things there that we could point at and say, you know, this team does have some potential and it remains that this team could, sneak up on some highly ranked big 10 teams and beat them. It also remains that this team is not going to do that consistently and is not going to the big Ten or the NCAA tournament. So what what did you take away from this? We'll, we'll get to that. It will get to the path forward if there is one, but uh, I would agree, you know, still I, I recognize that they were able to get some practices in, but three games on the road, I, I'm not trying to drink too much of Tom Izzo's Kool-Aid, but the reality is, they did have three games on the road in like six days coming off of a 20 day pause. Um, and so you, you gotta believe there were some difficulties with them having their legs under them. Sure. Um, you, you're, you're not wrong either that, that Iowa lets you do some things, but interestingly, uh, MSU's strategy on defense was actually pretty effective. They, they shut down the perimeter shooters for Iowa mm-hmm. and but for the officials deciding that Luca Garza shall not be touched, um, you know, it could be a very different game. And, you know, in fairness, it, this happens. Iowa's bench played well, be- yeah. better than you would expect them to. So well, in fact, that Fran McCaffrey had them out there in crunch time minutes at the end. Um, so, you know, it, I... I look at it as, and this is backed up by some Ken Palm numbers, that the the defense is better than when we were collectively sort of stroking out about it. Um, and that they executed the game plan well. Uh, and they just didn't hit as many shots as they could have. Um, you know, I, I remember Langford missed two free throws in the first half. Like, when does that happen? Yeah. So I don't know. I it's that the loss hit me harder though. I think than the three before in many ways. 
because we were in that game till the end. What do we know about the last, the effective last play of the game? Langford's attempted two point shot that didn't go down. And then, you know, in some garbage time, Iowa put some, some additional points on the, on the board. But um, what, what do we know about that? Was that called for Langford? Like, I, I don't, it, it, there, there hasn't been a, a dive on it in, in that regard. Uh, Izzo has said that he was not disappointed with it. He thought it was a good shot. Yeah. Um, it, when I saw it on TV, it looked like a terrible shot. Um, and I mean, it's his game. It's exactly the type of shot that he loves to take. It, it felt more contested than they had time to get another one. Yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, I mean, it clanged in and out like, it, you know, it was fine. Uh, and people who certainly know more about basketball than I do thought it was a fine shot. It just, it, we had more time. So it seemed mm-hmm. like not the, the best shot, but right. this team has a penchant and we'll get to this in a second for taking long twos and missing them. <laughs> yes. It, they are, they are better off if they take a step back. Um, Actually, why I don't, don't know just why say- it bothers me so much. Uh, like missing a long two hurts me so much more than missing a three. I don't. Oh. I don't know why. Yeah. It's like it neither results in any points, but it's just like there's but- something. Whenever they step into a long two, I just like my blood pressure. I can feel it. Well, and if it's you think Josh about Langford's how you favorite thing, yeah. If, but if you think about how we evaluate uh, effective field goal percentage, mm-hmm. that it it should make your blood boil because it's not necessarily a much higher percentage shot than a three. Right. Yet we view it as a much worse shot. Well, um, because it's worth 66.6 as many points. Yes. So um, this goes back to why something I muttered once on the pod that Langford is one of my least favorite players ever at MSU. Cause I hate that shot. Okay. That I don't know why you're saying that when Langford is on the same team as rocket Watts, but continue. Oh yes. No, you're, you're touche. I, and uh, trust me, this season has made me revise a lot of my thoughts about Josh Langford. Um, but anyway, it, it's, uh, yeah, I guess my take on, on the game in total is it stung really hard because it felt like a win that we could have had that we so desperately needed. As much as we're going to talk about the win against Nebraska, and, and that was certainly a must-win game, that if you could have won against Iowa and somehow dropped the ball against Nebraska, I would have taken that that trade. Yeah, I um, think so. But um, any other thoughts that you had? I mean, I, it, it is worth mentioning that Aaron Henry continues to be actually pretty good over over the aggregate of the last even with those losses, pretty good. Yeah. No, there's nothing else. I also, I I don't know how many people might have thought this, but like that game might have been different with Gabe Brown. I I don't think that's true. I think this team kind of would have had that game regardless of whether Gabe Brown was there or not. But we'll see. The only thing I I would say is that I think Langford got into some foul trouble in the first half, mm-hmm. Gabe would have been nice to have. Yeah. I mean, you're not Fair wrong enough. either in sort of why you came to that assessment, but cause yeah, let's talk about Nebraska and we'll, you know, we can start 
kind of with Gabe. Uh, it's a 66 to 56 uh, win for Michigan State at home. Uh, a little bit closer than you would like for uh, a, a team such as Nebraska that also had only played one game in a month. Uh, but it was Gabe Brown's uh, Gabe Brown's first game back after COVID and maybe his best game of the year. Yeah, I think easily. And this is in a game where he missed all of his three-point attempts, I believe, right? 0 for 2? Yes, that sounds... Yeah, 0 for 2. And three, it, three for 6 from the floor, but 7 boards. Seven. The thing that yeah. I've been yelling, 7 boards. Yep. And I think because, he only got credited with one block, but I think he could have possibly have had two. Because remember, dear listener, Gabe Brown is tall. Gabe Brown is like 6'8". Dude <laughs> needs to be collecting way more boards as just like a basketball player. Yes. So the fact the fact that, you know, you know, three for six from twos, oh and two from the three-point line, and still like people are really happy with Gabe Brown. It's because he hit that defensive glass big time. And uh that team needed it that day. Desperately. No, I mean he's he's three for six overall. That includes his threes. Oh, pardon me. Pardon me. Pardon me. Sorry. Uh, yeah. On a day that uh, Hauser won rebound yeah. oh, in 14 boy. minutes. Yeah. So uh, let's set let's set Joey to the side because there were some positives in this game that I think are worth dwelling on. Right. Uh, yeah. So it, it seems to me that you the the positives here are Gabe certainly, mm-hmm. uh, Josh. Aaron Henry and Marcus Bingham for sure, which I know I want to chat a little bit more about question mark on rocket Watts for a while had a pretty okay game and then didn't. Yeah. I mean, sure didn't I, like the, the turnovers caught up to him, but for a while there, he I mean, played he had a pretty okay game. He had three of the exact same turnover in a row, basically. <laughs> um, I, I'm done with Rocket Watts. I, if I could just hand Rocket Watts the portal papers right now. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think, did you and I have this conversation already or was I having it with a member of my household here? I think Rocket Watts is my most criticized MSU basketball player ever. I sure. can't think of, I mean, I tend to take it pretty easy on the dudes because I just see what happens out there in social media and yes. on message boards to them. So I like, I tend, I like to think I give them the benefit of the doubt for the most part, but I just like cannot with rocket. I just can't do it. If you can't score and you love to score that the, his possession at the end of the first half of that Nebraska game where he has 11 seconds to to bring the ball up the floor and run a play. He just sort of like lackadaisically walks up the floor with the ball. It's like, okay, so now everyone on the planet knows that you're taking the shot at the end of this clock because you can't execute any kind of offense at this point. And so, yeah, he does. He kind of dribbles it over to where he's most comfortable on the court, jacks up a long three, bricks it. Because of course, he does. Because of course. Yeah. And, you know, the the notion that Rocket Watts is a scorer 
So let's let's has never yielded that. itself in any way. Yeah, he's shooting twenty nine percent from two, uh, twenty seven and a half from three. That's yeah. bad. And 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 his plus minus for those who don't know is when he's on the floor. How many points ahead are they versus behind? Um, he's uh, MSU when he's on the floor loses six and a half points by virtue of him being on the floor. So I, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I don't, I'm just saying he had he had moments of okay in this game, but I'm you know I, I don't I'm not going to fight you on this. But Josh Josh had a good game. He benefited from some rest. 18 points, 11 in the first half. That was huge. Uh, Aaron had a a fine game. Mm-hmm. It can, it, it, and that's all I mean to say about Aaron Henry is that he continues to play fine. Uh, fine to good. 31 minutes, put up 16 points. You know, I could do without the three turnovers, but for him, that's actually a, a moderate night. <laughs> um, two blocks, two steals, so he made up for it. Um, but we got to talk about Hauser. Yeah. So, uh, and then I want to return to the five, but like, let's talk about Hauser. I mean, it, there seems to be just sort of an implosion going on right now. Like, it, I mean, dude, uh, what did he do against Iowa? He had 10 points against Iowa, two for uh, 50% from three against Iowa, um, three from seven from the floor entirely. Um, and nearly a double double. Yeah, On nine the- rebounds, 10 points, like contributed a lot in that Iowa game and then just fell apart against Nebraska. Just absolutely like fouled out in 14 minutes. Now I know that these types of games are going to happen occasionally, but fouling out in 14 minutes against Nebraska. It's what it's cause he's slow. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, uh, Kithier fouls drive me nuts because they always seem to be off ball and or setting a bad screen. But the Hauser fouls just seem to be because he got beat. And, you know, I at, at when he when I believe when he fouled out, it was the they had a shot of him on the sideline with Izzo mm-hmm. and Izzo was getting into him about not shooting about about contributing nothing to the game and you could see hauser yelling back what shots did you want me to take and so i guess the question i'd ask you is do you think this is entirely on joey hauser do you think that whatever this offense is is not conducive to joey hauser or is it somewhere in between i think he's a spot shooter and i think he needs a point guard that msu doesn't have in order to get those points. I, I, he can't create his own shot. Um, this, like so many other of MSU's problems are a function of us not having a point guard really with all due respect to Hogard, It's tough to come into the big 10 and be a true freshman point guard. And yeah, I don't think anyone's mad at Hogard. He's just not there yet. We're at a point right now where really the offense is best facilitated by foster lawyer, but He's a defensive liability. And Which you can't have Hauser out there at the same time. Yeah, you can't have both those guys out there together. And he he just gets back down on offense. Like, he just gets bodied. So, 
I, there's not a solution. I, I want to go back and listen to our tapes earlier in the year and, and see if we talked about like trying to find a grad transfer point guard because it, it seems so did. obvious now. It seems so obvious now that this coaching staff went all in on Manet. On, yeah, I mean, did you need? But that that would have been a case for for people that don't follow recruiting. That was a, a high school recruit. That would have been a case where you needed to develop a true freshman. Well, um, he, he's a like a twenty one year old high school ish. Yeah, but this is getting into it, getting into this league for the first time. Sure, it's going to be a surprise to people. Playing college basketball, playing basketball at this level would be a surprise. This team needed just a a body, and it could even have been a mid-major. Uh, I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Michigan has had s- some success this year with a transfer point guard from a league that we didn't think would be, you know, was going to be compatible. So, um, now that doesn't happen every time, but I think a some kind of older seasoned point guard would have been a huge benefit to this team. And I don't know how much the coaching staff tried to get one, but it's, I mean, it would have made everything else just a little bit easier to have someone for a year. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. And and it, it it certainly would have helped Joey's game. Certainly would have helped Joey's game. And if Joey's game was better, then that probably means Aaron Henry's game is even better because it's not on his back then. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Henry has to like pretend to be a leader and we know that it's just not in, he's like a lead by example guy. Do you think they're actually lead by example guys or is it just a nice way of saying um, he's not a leader? <laughs> uh so you talked about hauser's body language slash actual language on the bench right next to him is marcus bingham who by all accounts gets benched because he attempted a three-point shot um now his three-point shooting is has been terrible over the last two years he hasn't hit one yet this year and he shot 20 percent from three last year but he had this body language of just being like entirely resigned and out of the game and the game before that, Rocket Watts was having a tantrum on the sidelines from what I saw on television. What do you think about what do you think about the team dynamics right now? Well, well let's let's talk about Bingham for a second, because the 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 benching in question happened after what, within two minutes of the, the second half, Marcus Bingham uh, jacks up a three mm-hmm. against Nebraska. And yeah, that he he shouldn't be taking that shot ever. Um, but Bingham nets 14 minutes in this game. He's two for four from the field, two for two from the free throw line, has four boards, one assist, two blocks, three steals, and not seen on a stat line though is is absolutely disruptive in the interior. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty efficient night for Marcus Bingham. And I don't, and and we found out after the game that Thomas Kithier was removed from the game because he started feeling ill. Uh, so we're certainly hoping that Thomas Kithier does not have COVID. It sounds like he's one of the what two people who could who could possibly have COVID. Um, and so, I, you know, 
I understand if you want to pull Marcus Bingham off the court and tear it him a new one, fine. But it, you, Tom, Dwayne, company, you you don't have options at the five. Market, you don't have effective options at the five. And Marcus Bingham was having an effective night. Now, it may not be effective tomorrow or the next day, but like he had a good night. He needs more minutes than 14. And and it's that inability to see a hot hand. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, can, I guess I can relate at this point in the year when it's do or die on going to the tournament and you're having a good night and coach doesn't put you in the game that that might piss you off. Like, you know, I'm not going to get on Izzo about chewing a guy, or, you know, chewing a guy out. That That's fine. But Bingham had a good night, and I'm not a Bingham guy. He showed some handles. He blocked yeah. shots. He made steals. He <clears throat> pushed the break. Like, he was good. <laughs> yeah. And, and the criticism that I see uh, is there are other guys that are allowed to make mistakes, and it's fine. But there are some guys that they make a mistake and that's it. You're done for the night. And I do think there might be something to that. Now, we don't know what's happening in practice. We don't know if Izzo's just been like, Marcus, if you attempt a three, you don't get to play anymore. Do we, are, do we have an understanding? You don't <laughs> attempt a three unless it's the end of a shot clock. Um, I mean, if you do something like that, you got to make good on a threat like that. Right. Sure. Especially in a game that thanks to Josh Langford's heroics, and that's what they were. Nebraska was basically kept at arm's length, but there were opportunities. God, there were uh, this yeah. game. You could you could have lost to Nebraska, dear MSU fan. Um But go back to your original question. I mean, what do you what's we we have zero inside knowledge on this, but you're not yeah. wrong that there there seem to be moments of disgust and frustration. Now there could be a lot of reasons for that. You go into the season thinking you're going to be good. You're not. It's also playing. Can't be a lot of fun right now. Y'all got sick. Like there's a lot of reasons that, that people could be not in it right now. But what do you think? How much is that? coaching? Here's something that we don't see a lot as Michigan state fans. It's not a bad team. That's not going to do anything close to what it set out to do. We don't really get to see much as MSU fans, how bad teams interact with one another. Like this is brand new territory for me as an MSU fan, just expecting this team won't be going to the tournament. So I don't know what in this is normal because you have to kind of follow a team to get a a feel from them like this. Um, But I... I think Bingham's gone at the end of the year. I think Watts is gone at the end of the year. I think Marble's gone at the end of the year. I think Marble would Henry, be ashamed to lose. Henry's gone at the end of the year. It's going to be a high turnover summer. Um, so, well, I, uh, it's unfortunate. I, I don't think. Hauser is gone at the end of the year because he seems to have taken this one transfer pretty hard already. So I don't think he's in any rush to do that again, but there's going to be a lot of new faces on this team next year. Yeah. And many of them were very excited. 
Mm -hmm. And you can bet that come summertime, uh, we will be chatting a lot about them. Uh, So let's talk briefly about the path ahead. Um, You know, currently Michigan State is sitting at Ken Palm 64. That's down two from last week. Um, Down five on offense to 79. Uh, up eight on defense to 40 and a slight change in their tempo, uh, which is probably a, actually a, they went down in tempo, which is surprising given the teams they played. But um, I guess, you know, you mentioned not going to the tournament and it's going to take them winning a lot of games to do that. But if you look at who's left on the schedule, we've got Penn state this Tuesday We've got Iowa at home on Saturday, which I don't know, maybe. Uh, then it's Purdue and Indiana, which are both. They just lost again, right? Didn't Iowa just lose again? To Indiana, yeah. Um, both Purdue and Indiana on the road, but those are winnable games. Uh, we've got Ohio State, which is going to be tough. And then at Maryland, which I think is a winnable game. And then Michigan at home, uh, and you know maybe a couple uh, couple games thrown in in the mix of all of that, they could come out with a winning record with the rest of the season in front of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pull off an upset somewhere or two, and I think you're looking at a much better resume for the tournament. Yeah, uh, Iowa has only won one game in the last five, and that's this most recent really pretty close game against MSU. So they are mortal. Um, what people don't know is that Fran uh, perpetually has the trots in, uh, <laughs> in February and March. Uh, meanwhile, so games remaining against unranked teams, Penn state, as, as you mentioned this week at IU at Maryland, Opportunities against ranked teams remaining, and this is not including any teams that need to get rescheduled because we don't have guarantees that those will happen. Iowa, Purdue, Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, it's not. You take care of business against the unranked teams, which I don't think is, I think is unlikely. And you steal one or two, maybe it's possible. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's possible. You end up actually somewhere in the mid-teens in terms of wins, and maybe even potentially single-digit losses or really low double-digit losses. And that is a that is a, a resume that could that would have you on the bubble at the very least. And so it's strong not and impossible. strong. Yeah. Um, but, but it's also not going to happen. So it's going to be a nail biter for sure. Uh, or at least we hope it will be. Um, all right, let's talk some football. <laughs> let's, let's go back to the land of apparently optimism and, uh, and, and talk some signing day. Um, so for those who maybe missed last week or were living under a rock, which is also fine and probably healthy, uh, this past Wednesday was National Signing Day for uh, recruitment. And you may say, didn't we sign people in December? Yes, that's early signing day. It just happens to be when everybody signs, uh, except for a few people. And so this, uh, as we previewed last week, we were expecting Rayshon Benny to sign uh, with Michigan State. He, he didn't. Did not. Uh, he decided to go to Ann Arbor. Um, 
and which uh, we wish him uh, development, health, prosperity, and losses on Saturday. Um, and then we did sign Keon Coleman, a uh, as we mentioned last week, a composite uh, three-star wide receiver. Um, he is a high three-star, though, four-star in, I think, Rivals? No, 24-7. Um, he's a two-sport athlete. He will apparently be playing football and hoops at Michigan State. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Thomas is like, we'll see if it works out. Uh, <laughs> there's There's been very few people who have been able to do it. And as we said last week, 6'4", 200 pounds. He is uh, he's a receiver type that Michigan State actually sorely needs in that we don't really have a big body dude uh, who can play the X spot for receivers. So um, he's a he's a nice little ad uh, for an otherwise uh, recruiting class that I think we're going to get into. Uh, that's the news of the day. Greg, what are your thoughts? I, I think it's nice. Uh, let's move on to looking at this class holistically. Uh, this is technically, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, Mel Tucker's second class. And it oh. is number 10 in, in the Big Ten, according to 24-7 Sports, which is putting you in the class of Rutgers, Northwestern, Indiana type of type of area. Um, what now that. My understanding, my my priors are that that is relatively lower than how Mark D'Antonio tended to perform in terms of conference recruiting ranking. Now, you went back. You actually did your homework, though, correct? Is my perception true, or is it a more complicated story than that? Uh, well, you are both right and wrong. Uh, you know, that, um, that it is fair to say that uh, Mark D'Antonio did perform better in recruiting through much of his tenure. Um, I would, I would not say that the 2020 class is remotely Mel Tucker's class, though. Okay. I mean, he, yeah, it, like it, that's he got hired a couple days before signing day. Okay, and as we just said, most of the people signed their ink or you know signed their papers on early signing day, so those were all Mark D'Antonio commits. Gotcha. Um, okay, which fair enough. That class was also ranked 10th in the Big Ten. The prior year, it was 7th. Um, and uh, 2018, I think, was 6th. Um, and 6th before that as well. So if you want to kind of go back to the decline of, of Mark D'Antonio's recruiting, uh, you can point to some of that. Um, I I also think it's fair, though, to say that if we look at Mark D'Antonio's recruiting since 2015, that even though it was highly ranked uh, or higher ranked, rather, he was making some big swing and a whiff on on a number of recruits. And and actually, you go back and look at some of his highest ranked recruits. They also were big duds. Uh, or they basically ended his career in some ways. <laughs> yes, those two. Um, but, you know, uh, you look at uh, Kirk Cousins, someone who was not highly ranked, and you have Andrew Maxwell, someone who was highly ranked. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, like, you, yes, there are the, the 2016 class, which we've certainly talked about on the pod, and we don't, this is not 
really the the conversation point for it. But you you look at some of the the big names in Spartan history who are uh, other, well, Will Golston is probably our highest ranked, or what would you say, third highest ranked recruit ever? Uh, I think fifth, according to twenty four seven, something okay. like that. Uh, but um, and he is. We are recording during the big game, listener, because who cares? <laughs> but you know who else is uh, in that in that game right now? Le'Veon Bell. He's about to get a ring. Um, Will Golston, so good for him. Happy Andrew for him. Stanton, baby. Andrew Stanton about to get a ring. Continue. Um, so, yeah. It, look, it, I think it's fair to say that uh, this this team uh, or this recruiting class certainly did not have the star power that we would have hoped, wanted, or anticipated, given Mel Tucker's recruiting uh, prowess, supposedly. Mm-hmm. But it's also very fair to put a giant asterisk on on a year in which not only are you dealing with all the COVID restrictions, but you want to know how that's different than the COVID restrictions everyone else is having right now is that you can't, you can't go visit coaches like high school coaches. I mean, it's not just not having players on campus. It's an inability to go in and create relationships. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, everybody else who's not starting out fresh at a school already has those relationships. So you know, your biggest impediment is, is not being able to have kids on campus. So I look at that and I also say, what did Mel Tucker actually accomplish in this class? He changed the literal frame of the players that we're recruiting. Okay. All right. A couple of things. One, right. uh, elsewhere in the big 10, uh, at Maryland, Maryland, Mike Loxley has not been coached there much longer than Mel Tucker has at Maryland and Maryland pulls in what is ranked as the fourth best class in the big 10. Sure. Um, Also this whole change the profile of what is an athlete at MSU. Like, did you call Mark D'Antonio? Were you like, Oh my God, did you know that there are big dudes out there? Like that is, I just don't entirely buy it. Like every football team wants big dudes. It means that they're much raw and we don't know anything about this staff and if it can develop yet. So I, I don't buy until I see it on the field, this whole, like, well, it's a much bigger MSU team as if that will just by virtue of itself translate into wins if it were so easy then why did what's his name seven foot wide receiver just have to transfer after only two completions all all year um i just like don't buy that and i also think this whole perception that you know mel tucker had one arm tied behind his back i'm not sure that entirely has holds water either because Michael Oxley's up there doing it at Maryland again. And he didn't even have head coaching experience. He was a offensive coordinator before he was hired. So I, on one hand, again, I'm inclined to give coach Tuck the benefit of the doubt. On the other hand, I think that this is at best medium 
and at worst, a poor outing for Mel Tucker. This is medium minus, I think is what I would, I would rate this as. Talk to me more about how you would, uh, give me the answer. There's good plus, which is what Ohio State and Alabama are doing. Should we talk about, oh my God, like why bother even recruiting in the Big Ten? So dear listener, MSU picked up 19 commitments total, of which one of them was rated by 24-7, four stars or higher. We'll just say that. Ohio State- In in the composite, you mean? In the composite, sure. Ohio State picked up 21 commitments, two more, of which 18 were four-star or five-star. It's like an entirely different level of things. It's out of control. It's bananas. So, um, and then Alabama's even even more so than that, even further out and ahead than that. So, I... Uh, where I end here is that Coach Tuck deserves some light criticism for this class. All right. uh, what? Go ahead. But I cut you off when you were getting excited about them being tall. No, no, no. And and I mean that on the. I'm looking at it on the line. And I also, and you disagree with me on this. I, I think it is worth viewing the class in the aggregate. Of there were big pickups in the portal big pickups in the portal that it you're not going to win today with your 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 class of 2021 mm-hmm. and so we we pick up a uh, a new offensive tackle from the portal we have some actually some of the decent players on the line coming back mm-hmm. we bring in a quarterback who i know in theory there's competition there but i don't see a world in which he's not actually starting um, a genuinely very good running back, a running back that is maybe good, even though he has the the highest uh, recruiting ranking of all of them. And we're bringing back a receiving core that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So it's reasonable to expect an improved O-line, improved quarterback play, great receivers, and a far superior running game. And uh, I believe Tucker said that he wants at least nine more guys out of the portal. He said, right? I he didn't say out of the portal. Uh, it what I've seen and heard is that there's likely going to be some specialists that are also committing. Um, I don't know why. Oh, we already got Hank Pepper. Hank Pepper, Pepper here, long snapper and specialist. Maddie, Maddie Coughlin's coming back, and then there's the preferred walk on that we talked about last week that you cut me off on. Um, so I don't look, we, I, we don't need to go any longer on this other than to say it, we can disagree. I, I'm, I'm actually reasonably optimistic about what we got out of this class. And I don't, I don't mean to suggest that I think every single one of these dudes is going to hit because mm-hmm. that's stupid. Mm-hmm. That would be an insane thing to say it, as equally as insane as it would be to say that, oh, we bring in consistently the first to third ranked big 10 class every year, usually second and yet somehow rarely finish second in the big 10. So, I mean, like that's why it's hard for me to, you know, I I get what you're saying, but I see frame. And to your point now, it's a question of coaching. And what we do know is that forever Michigan state at least couldn't coach on the offensive line. And so if, if that, if, 
if that can change, then I then I think uh, there is a ton of potential in this class. And I'm saying that knowing that we have two dudes, uh, co- one coaching the defensive line and one coaching the secondary that did that stuff under Mark D'Antonio and were good at it. So I got belief in that coaching anyway. Yeah. I I mean, I can't wait to go to go see this team play. You wanna you wanna move on? Yes. You wanna move on to the schedule? Uh so the MSU football schedule has been announced for 2021. And without going through every single team, the non-conference uh opponents are Youngstown State, the Penguins, the Mighty Penguins, at Miami. Uh, unfortunately it looks like we lost our home game against the hurricanes. So that's a huge bummer, but, uh, and then also with the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, I hope they bring their mascot is all I'm going to say. Uh, and then on the big 10 side of things, and we will go through all of this because it's pretty straightforward to do at Rutgers at Indiana, or pardon me, I should say, start the season at Northwestern, um, which is always an S show, which we'll get into in a moment. Um, Nebraska at home at Rus- at Rutgers at Indiana, Michigan at home at Purdue, Maryland at home at Ohio state, Penn state at home. What are your initial reactions to this? Um, so I think it's, uh, an okay schedule. I'm actually optimistic. I know you're going to talk to me about the shit show at Northwestern. Um, I don't see the point in saying S show, um, <laughs> but uh, because you know, I'm a elementary school kid talking to his mother, um, describing it as an S show. I don't love having a non-con homecoming in Western Kentucky, but whatever. Um, it there's there's more road action at the beginning of the year than I would like. Um, mm. but you know, um, I'm, ex- I'm thrilled to have the land grant trophy being on uh, rivalry rivalry week at the end of the season. Yes. Um, so that's the first big standout thing to me is we are back to the cadence potentially of having Penn state as the last game of the year. And I love that. And should I never think- have stopped should never have stopped. I do believe I have seen across fandom that Penn State fans are happy to have this back as well. So this is mutually agreed upon. Uh, The only thing that I would change in this is I really do think that the Land Grant Trophy should go to the loser of that game. (laughs) Um, The other huge thing on this is that it splits up Michigan and Ohio State. Should have always been that way as well. I prefer this. Yes. I prefer this. Um, well, you should have a marquee game every year. Yeah. And yes. Um, I actually think our, uh, you know, our cross division games are relatively speaking easy question mark on mm-hmm. Northwestern. I mean, um, we'll certainly break it down when the time comes, but let's not pretend they're going to be putting up points. So it's a theoretically winnable game. Yeah. Um, we, indeed we won it this past year and they were good question mark. Uh, so I I don't know. I, I think this is a team that should win seven games. I, I could see nine. 
You Maybe? can see nine. Nine? I mean, let's break down the... We'll, we'll break down this schedule over the summer. Like, well, let's not spend time on it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I will say here is earmuffs, Michael Jones, because this doesn't apply to you. I'm going to be going to a lot of MSU football games this fall. Like, I'm making up for it. I'm going to this Evanston game. I'm going to Memorial Stadium in Bloomington, Indiana. I will see you there, dear listener. We're going to sink the biz at Knicks at, uh, in Bloomington. Uh, I, I, I think I'm going to a lot of these games, and I'm psyched out of my mind for that. Wait. Hey, they're playing in Piscataway. Why I'm not you- going to the Maryland game. No, no, they're not. Maryland's coming to Spartan Piscataway's in New Jersey. Oh, you're talking about Rutgers. Sorry. Come here, bro. Come to me. Yeah, that's not really on my list. Fine, Maybe whatever. I'll do at Miami instead. Uh, tell you what. Tell you what I'll do. I'll do at Northwestern, at Miami, at Indiana, at Purdue, at Ohio State. Those are the away games. That you're I'll just do. ignoring me at this point in time. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, maybe if if you decide you like me well enough, maybe we'll even be able to do a live uh, live show of the podcast, which might be nice. Because you I have like tickets, to- can you get in the? Uh, the SHI Stadium, which is the name of the Rutgers Stadium. Oh, my God. SHI <laughs> Stadium. Uh, can you get tickets to the hot tub? Because uh, if you can, then I'm in. You know what? I, I think if I can bring a plus one with me, I might be able to make that happen. <laughs> uh, but either way, I certainly want to be in East Lansing next year. So, yes, let's go. Um, and that, I think we should mercifully wrap up our Green Wall segment. And oh, no, we can't. Because we got to talk about Matt Ishbia's gift very mm. briefly. Uh, Matt Ishbia, former Spartan Hoops player, uh, makes the single largest donation to Michigan State Athletics ever. It's a $32 million donation. $20 million will go to upgrade and expand the football facilities, specifically the weight room, the auditorium. It will redo the locker rooms, create some informal meeting spaces, and put in place recovery modalities which I guess is generally speaking hot tubs uh, and will also include a dedicated dining and nutrition center, which uh, fun fact, Michigan state did just hire a dedicated nutritionist for football, um, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, Several million will also go towards uh, creating career services, lifelong career services for student athletes or former student athletes, which is huge. Uh, the, uh, the expanded football building and basketball court, uh, in uh, pending board of trustee approval will be named after Tom Izzo. Also cool. Uh, $2 million will go to the basketball fund to be used at the discretion of the head coach, which I am told is already en route to Amani Bates. <laughs> so, uh, oh, also notable <laughs> swim and dive still gone. <laughs> Yeah. Also notable, I called this a few weeks ago. I mean, I didn't know that this was going to happen, but when Ispia became a super billionaire, like obviously this was going to happen. And also this dude's going to end up giving so much money to MSU athletics over the next 30 years. I mean, this is the, this is the Stephen M Ross of MSU uh, athletics, except richer, like twice as rich. So is it so, fair to say that as we prepare to move into our first ad copy, that we would be willing to talk to Ispia about some ad spot? I mean, it seems fair to say that maybe Brandon Sand should start going to a new uh, mortgage loan origin, you know, mortgage lender, you know, 
Maybe not. JK, I mean, we love Brandon. Great. Guaranteed right, it's great. But like, uh, get ready for it. Ispia is going to be given a lot of money for a long time because he has unlimited cash. And he's yeah. very interested in foreign athletics. We, it, it, it feels weird, right? Who, who Ispia is? Because when I made the joke weeks ago, people, no one knows who he is until now. It, well, right. $32 million will do that for you. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was a walk-on, right? Walk on on the national championship game. Yeah. Uh, team. And uh, inherited from his father a, a very modest um, mortgage brokerage that he turned into a just huge monolithic thing. So, I mean, $16 billion is a stupid amount of money for one person to have. But, like, he made that money that, I mean, he made it. So. I I... I, f- I felt weird about it, though. I, we, we don't need to belittle this point, but like it felt weird for that money to be going to athletics right now. Yeah. Just yeah. decide. That's a, yeah, that's, that's fair. Money. A lot of people that's are hurting fair. right now. I mean, MSU got its two biggest billionaires this year. Sure. Like, how crazy is that? Like, because now... uh. What's his name? Rocket Mortgage, bro. Um, Gilbert. Dan Gilbert. Gilbert. Gilbert's worth like $35 billion or something like that. Something just nuts. Something like stupid. How is, how is a person worth $35 billion? And I know, I know, if you want to be able to have controlling interest of your company, you have to own a certain percentage of it, and that's going to have a bit... It's still like nuts. Yes. Bananas. So get used to it. Uh... Ispia is going to be writing some checks for a long time. Yes, but uh, we should take a moment to talk about actually our favorite mortgage loan originator. And that, of course, is Brandon Sands, uh, dear friend of the pod and sponsor. Uh, Mortgage rates are very near historic lows, which is how uh, Ispia has been rolling that dough in. But they are at an exceptionally low rate. And so if you happen to own a home or in the market to buy a home, you should get in touch with Brandon Sands. He is a mortgage loan originator that we are huge fans of. Brandon has closed over 10,000 loans and works for one of the largest mortgage lenders in the country, guaranteed rate. Brandon is a consultative guy. He's going to sit down with you and find everything out about you, including blood type. And then we'll make sure that you get the right mortgage product or refinancing product for you. So if you are, again, in the market to buy a home or you happen to be paying 4% or higher, you are probably paying too much. You should give Brandon a call. Brandon is helping people save hundreds on their current mortgages, sometimes thousands if you consolidate some high-interest debts with your refi. You can find Brandon at rate.com backslash Brandon Sands. That's rate.com backslash Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. Rate.com backslash Brandon Sands. Worth $16 billion to us <laughs> yes. in our hearts. In our hearts. Uh, let's head off Grand River, Grek, and do a quick rundown of some headlines. Lightning round. Uh, there was a lot to talk about this from this past week. Uh, first up is Keontae Johnson. For those who don't know, Keontae Johnson is a uh, star basketball player with Florida who earlier in the year unexpectedly and uh, unexplicably at the time collapsed on the court, and it was unknown what would it, what happened. Uh, I believe for a while he's put in a medically induced coma. Yeah. And really was, scary. Crazy yes, scary. Very scary. Very sad. Um, and he's making a recovery. 
there was some speculation that because he had COVID earlier in the year, that it could have been myocarditis related. Uh, good news, it was not, uh, yes. which I think is a relief. And it is good news. Even if you're out there and you use this as an example for potentially why these guys shouldn't be playing basketball, this is not a loss to you. Like, this is good news. This means that all of the student athletes that have had COVID, including the entire basketball team, um, are not at risk of this, which is fantastic news. It's yeah, and and you have uh, a, a sort of relatedly, uh, but and I'm I feel bad that I don't know the coach's name, but uh, a, a current D one uh, football coach from a Texas school actually passed away today from COVID. So, <sighs> yep, it's all right. I mean, oh, no, it's obviously not all right, but <laughs> we have, we have crossed, I mean, the threshold, right? We're now at a place where we are vaccinating more people per day than we're having new contractions of, of the disease, correct? I believe that's right. I think we had 2 million the other day. So I'm going to, you know, I'm not even going to pretend to be our guy. Uh, Alex Plum. Right. But uh, I mean, that's a good sign. I mean, yes. the cumulative effect of that is... It's fantastic. And I'll take one of those garbage 60% uh, effective <laughs> J&J vaccines anytime, by the way. That's like the no more tears baby shampoo of yep. vaccines. Bring it um, in. Bring it in, J&J. I'll take it right now. Uh, next up, we have uh, a story that you know we are not going to go as in-depth on as it probably warrants. Not probably, certainly warrants. But is worth bringing up if for no other reason than they're, they're a Big Ten school. And also, uh, I think the pod has tried its best to bring light to um, issues surrounding women in sports, and this should not go unnoticed. Um, cheerleaders for Northwestern University have brought a lawsuit against the university for um, the university. How would you best describe this, Kevin? Um, utilizing them in a way that is wholly inappropriate and putting them yes. in uncomfortable and dangerous situations. Yeah. So I think this happens at most schools and it certainly happens at MSU where the cheerleaders and the dance teams are required to go to tailgates and other events for fundraisers for, for their own team generally speaking, but maybe also for there's the athletic just, department to some yeah, degree. Yeah, there's sometimes like appearance fees involved in the same way that you can get Sparty to come to things, I think. Right. And it's like if you go to, uh, you know, a county, you know, alumni club luncheon or something like that, sometimes the cheerleaders will show up. What this, and then like certainly at tailgates, uh, which we'll talk about here in a, in a moment, what this individual is alleging is that she was specifically encouraged to rub elbows in a much more like, you know, kind of Gross. actual interpretation of, of that. Yeah. Uh, and, and by herself, they would split up and they would go to different uh, tailgates. Now I have, I can't say that I've monitored the, <laughs> Please, please do not say you've monitored and the and the uh, cheerleading team. But like, I have been to a tailgate where the dance team had to make a paid appearance to a you know a neighboring tailgate, and it was 
one of the most profoundly uncomfortable experiences of my life. Here's how, here's how the system works. The dance team does one of their set routines. This, That's this, uncomfortable. This, it's uncomfortable. This, I, let me just tell you where what I'm envisioning as an analogy right now, because I, I want to know if this tracks. You go to a restaurant, celebrate a birthday, and someone has the staff come over and sing happy birthday. Yes. Yes. Okay. This, and yes. the whole staff has to do it. And they put the two most enthusiastic ones up front, but the rest of the staff is like clearly not into it at all. They just want to get back that to the is table. exactly right. Uh, <laughs> so the whole dance team has to do their routine and then the routine ends. And then they just sort of like talk amongst themselves for five minutes before their appearance fee is done. No, then they have to do another routine. And it's profoundly uncomfortable. And then they just sort of wander around for another five minutes. But from what I've seen, from what I've seen, they never split up. They never go to talk to individuals on their own. Like that would be so much worse than this, which was already really uncomfortable. So I, uh, I do feel for if indeed that is, Northwestern's approach to things, it's grossly inappropriate. And I also don't know, I've ever since I've had this experience, I've wondered who does this appeal to? Who is paying to have the cheerleaders or the dance team show up at their tailgate? You like, know who? No, I genuinely do not know who. Who? Well, all right. I mean, you know. Uh, I could see uh, several several demographics that would would pay for this. And, and by the way, like you you don't want to take away from that. Maybe the cheer squad or the dance squad generally enjoy some of this or, or feel like it's part of, of what they got into. But the idea that you would split people apart, that surely is not what they got into. They, they joined a team activity and it, you know, uh, so, uh, anyway, we, I, it, it is a story worth following. It is a story worth reading. And certainly the, the, the podcast has been on record and continues to be on, on believing women. And these are, these are gross, disgusting and weird allegations to say the least. Um, and our, you know, our hearts go out to Northwestern as well, because like they just don't have enough money already. So they, you know, these are the types of, they just stunts. These are the types of stunts that they have to resort to because when you have an endowment of $14 billion or whatever it's up to right now, and you're building huge athletic, comp- uh, and signing your coach to a 10 year deal and signing your coach to 10 year deal. Like the times are tough at Northwestern. <laughs> so, um, I mean, clearly these are the types of things that they have to do. Uh, Let's let's end on a bit of a high note if we can recover from what genuinely is a, is a weird story. Um, EA Sports is bringing back NCAA football, and I couldn't be happier. I I might actually buy a gaming console because of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think I will. I think yeah. I will. All right. Will you? Uh we'll see. I don't trust EA. I don't trust EA. I wish it could be anyone but EA. Uh, But uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's possible. All right. Um, Let's uh, let's head into some game previews, Greg. Um, Yeah. Uh, Penn State. Yes. So Penn State home game on Tuesday at seven. Yes. Seven on ESPN. So 
Uh, right now, Penn State is Ken Palm 30, not in the traditional rankings, but Ken Palm 30. Uh, 23 on offense, uh, 59 on defense, and 132 in tempo, which is about where MSU is right now, I believe. Uh, currently, 4-7 and seven in the conference with the wins over Wisconsin, Rutgers, Northwestern, and Maryland, including... Uh, in their most recent games, they had a weird back-to-back situation with Wisconsin that they split. And Which then they just... is, we might have to do that in Michigan, by the way. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then they beat Maryland, uh, 55 to 50. Um, but that was a, it was a more tense game than it needed to be. They had a chance to put Maryland away at the end, but then they just like stalled out. I, I don't know what happened with that, but um, anything that you want to tell us about personnel at the old Pennsylvania state? I mean, what's there to say, Kevin, they, they play a three guard lineup. Uh, Myron Jones is the person to keep your eye on. He's the leading scorer. Um, Brockington and Wheeler uh, get heavy minutes and, and certainly are contributors. Um, They're a bit of a taller team than Michigan state. So um, I'm curious to see whether maybe AJ Hogard gets a start again in this game. Um, but in terms of what Michigan State has to do to win, uh, I would say score more points would be key. Oh wait, hold on. Just score more points than than Pennsylvania State in the match. Is it, is yes, that, what that would be key. Hmm. Um, hmm. Interesting. That said, I. <laughs> Uh, I, I would like to see Michigan state push tempo here. I would like to see, uh, the staff decide to ride a hot hand at the five. Um, and you know, if honestly, if Gabe Brown can rebound like he did in that past game, I, I genuinely believe that bodes well for this team. Um, that was a shot of energy in a game that the team did not have enough energy. Um, so I'm, uh, you know, we should have crushed Nebraska. There is zero reason to not come out and win this game authoritatively. Well, you know, we don't have a very good team. Would you say that (sighs) this is must win to get into the tournament? Yes. I mean, well, let me rephrase. I would say that it's must win in that I am accounting for other losses. Um, but in the same way that I said, if you told me we could have beat Iowa and lost to Nebraska, I would have taken that trade. Um, I don't know if Penn State counts as a Q1, a quad one win in um, in the net rankings. I think they would. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I then yes, certainly a must win. I mean, almost everyone from here on out is a quad one win. Um, so yes, uh, we need we need the wins. They're all in some ways must wins from here on out. Uh, but after that, we have Iowa back at home, uh, 2.30 PM Saturday, the fe- February the 13th on Fox. Um, I, we don't need to, we just reviewed Iowa. I, I mean, and I know we just re- literally reviewed the game that we played. I don't know that we asked this question though. What could, if MSU did actually in many ways execute the game plan that was kind of effective in mm-hmm. some regards, mm-hmm. what do they need to do differently here to push him over the top? I, Make shots. I don't know. Like, yeah, like uh, it's tough for me to say because I kind of think they did 
all the things they needed to do or could do in that first game. And then they, they didn't win. So make the shots that Iowa gives you and then kind of hold the line, uh, the three point line Garza going to Garza. And uh, hopefully you're in it at the end. And maybe Josh Langford makes that mid range uh, shot to either put you ahead or send you to overtime. Um, Maybe there's fewer whistles. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Fran uh, benches Garza for 12 minutes like he just did against Iowa. Who knows? There's there. They are Iowa, but against Indiana. Uh, Oh, sorry. Yes. Against Indiana. Thank you. Um, Yeah. Uh, Garza prepared to get bodied again. Yeah. (laughs) Can't wait. Uh, Uh, Yeah. But uh, imagine what the podcast would be like if we won both of these games. Imagine. Imagine it. I am, and I cannot wait. Uh, Well, folks, let's have a quick word from our next sponsor, which is, of course, Preserved Homemade, a goods and provision store bringing you the tastes of home in the form of homemade treats. The February drop is coming from February 15th to, I believe, the 21st. Um, You will be able to order uh, the February drop of goods. There are going to be sales on cookies. Um, there are going to be some cakes and cupcakes, including coconut, German chocolate, carrot, and cherry chip. Uh, you can get a, a dozen cookies for $10 or two dozen for, uh, for 20. Of course, uh, we are huge fans here of their chocolate chip OG cookies and their sugar cookies. So please go to preserved homemade or preserved dash homemade.com or preserved underscore homemade on Instagram to check out the newest drop coming treat yourself or someone you love to some homemade goodness grek it's time for that part of the show the twitter questions uh i want to know when my preserved homemade preserves are showing up like i i we're licensed now right come on come on preserve homemade you want some jams and jellies yeah yeah give me some pickled treats pickle me up a a chocolate chip cookie and send it over (laughs) i don't know I don't know. All right. Uh, do you want to do one last uh, one last survey uh, hype, and then sure. we'll go into uh, into the twi- into the twitters? All right. Listen, folks. I know how many people listen to this podcast, and I know how many people have you responded to our request for a survey. It is a very short survey, and the number is much greater than the amount of time that it takes you to fill out the survey. So when this podcast publishes, that is to say the thing you're listening to this very second, in the show notes, there is a link to fill out a very brief survey. If you can, we really would appreciate your time as we try and get some information on you, the listener, and what you like and don't like about the show. So um, that would be a huge favor to us. Great. And this all came from Twitter questions. Elon Bloom asked us what we know about the audience. And the answer is not much. We yep. know what devices you use to download or stream. And Spotify gives us some demographic data on whatever listeners listen on Spotify. That is it. That's yeah. it. So, so we want to be data driven. We want to be, we want to know about things, right? We should do a yearly survey. An annual. Get blood tests next year. In the business, we call that a relational study. Just saying. Uh, So anyway. I think we do a relational study every time we do Twitter questions. Um, But please, please, yes, we are trying to actually 
get some data. And the responses we've bought, gotten have been great uh, for most of you. Some of you, you know who you are. Um, thanks for the jokes. Uh, <laughs> all right. So first up is a first time questioner, Riley Gorsuch. Uh, if you could only have one, would you rather have Jaden Akins for three years or Imani Bates for one? For those who don't know, Jaden Akins is a, uh, a 2021 uh, soon-to-be enrollee for Michigan State who is expected to play point guard. Imani Bates is a generational talent uh, who plays small forward. Although, from what I've been hearing, Imani has not been having the greatest go of it in basketball lately over the last several games. Uh, it pops up on my Twitter feed every once in a while of like Amani Bates kind of a pedestrian outing or I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know uh, here. I I'm inclined to take Amani for the one, but that assumes things about the team that he would be playing on that we don't know yet. Like, you would want Amani for the one if he could elevate it to a point where it could win a national championship. I I get the impression that Akins is a really good player, but he's not going to go out there and win you a natty until he's a junior or a senior, whereas Amani could potentially do it year one, depending on the pieces around him. So I don't know we know enough about the teams that these guys would play on to answer perfectly, but I'm going to go Amani for the one. I'm going to take Akins. Championships are won on point guard play, particularly usually longer term point guards. Um, Here's what I think we definitely know at this point isn't going to happen is Imani is not going to reclassify for next year. Yeah, we'd be hearing a lot more about that. Yeah, I would be I would be genuinely surprised at this point in time. Uh, Next up is CTNTC, who asks the most important thing about college sports is obviously recruiting even more so than the actual games. CT? This is the game. The whole game was just won or lost just now. Uh, CT is on brand as always. Uh, he asks, what are your favorite recruiting wins and most heartbreaking losses? Verbose Dutch time chimes in. At the time, I don't remember a more crushing, crushing loss than Jabari Parker. That's yes. Yes. Verbose Dutch is absolutely correct. Jabari Parker was when I had to sit down and think to myself, like, I can't get into recruiting this much anymore. I I'm an adult with a vested 401k. Brag. I cannot be reacting in this way on the whims of a 16 year old. What, what about you? What about your vested 401k? Michael Jones. Uh, tell, tell us about that. Yeah. Um, I, um, I don't know. I don't know that it gets worse than the most recent one in my mind, because you know, they make a decision. Um, if you choose a rival, like, oh, okay. I mean, you know, that's good. For, good for you. You made the best decision, and and I, I, I don't wish you wins. Like, you know, it. it let. I think it's naive of us to pretend like when we play them the next year, we're gonna hope that they have success on the field because we're not. But you know, I. You get you get your guys, you get your gals, like, and that's that's your team. So I don't know. I don't I don't get crushed over it. Yeah, to me, the basketball recruiting is always worse because there's just so many fewer guys that like, sure. uh, like the Tyus Joneses. There's been so many crushing losses to Duke, 
both on the court and in recruiting. Yes, that's fair. Um, and then some, a lot to Kansas as well. Yeah, but um, you know, that's fine. You're good not winning those ones, right? But yeah, uh, I'm with verbose Dutch on this. I think the single worst one was Jabari because that was the last guy that was on Sports Illustrated's cover, right? And mm-hmm. uh, that was the last guy that was like, this is the generational talent that'll take you there. And then do we remember how his uh, career at Duke lost or ended? Uh, it was with a loss, correct? First uh, round loss to uh, Vassar or something like that. <laughs> yikes. Not a team that you should be losing to. Like a so, sort of a middle Tennessee state of, of schools. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of one <laughs> of those. Kind of one of those. Um, what's next from CT? Uh, then from CT and TC, when MSU basketball was on pause, did you still still watch college basketball or not? Um, I watched some, but I'm not going to pretend that most of my my fandom and and you know, frankly, time allotment for TV is not centered around whether Michigan State is playing or not. I uh, I have to share time with uh, you know a family and um, sometimes Mickey Mouse on the TV, so. Same. Always watching <laughs> Mickey Mouse on the TV. No, my, um, we are, uh, cord cutting over here. And what I found is when you're cord cutting, you just watch less TV. Like I, I would have to seek out those games and now I keep up with what's happening in the big 10, but usually like if I want to watch a game, I have to seek it out. And I, didn't do that to the same degree when MSU was on pause. So I watched some college basketball, but not a ton. Um, next up from CT and TC is his best question. What's your favorite arrested development character? Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, and <laughs> I teed you up for you to say her. Who? <laughs> oh, her. That's right. Her. Uh, it's all right. It's all right. That wasn't fair. No, that's, that's, uh, it was unexpected. Honestly, I had genuinely forgotten about her. Uh, um, Uh, what about you? What about you? I mean, I, I honestly have thought about this a lot when I saw this question and I have a really hard time. Uh, it, it could be Job. Um, but it's probably Buster. Okay. I don't, I, but prob, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's not Tobias Funke. I mean, first an Alrapist. <laughs> <laughs> that show was so good until it wasn't. Um, I will say for when it wasn't, this was unexpected. Maybe became my favorite character. I her loved old, maybe actually her old woman character in the last season was the highlight to me of that season. I think she's a great actress. Very talented. Very fantastic. She was Uh, hilarious. Next up is Anthony Garvert. Given some recent comments on Twitter about MSU only having fluky wins against U of M, I couldn't help but recall this quote from Kevin on The Office. Oh, my God. Look, Look, I know it's easy to say tonight was just a fluke, and maybe it was. But here's a piece of trivia. A fluke is one of the most common fish in the sea. So if you go fishing for a fluke, chances are you might just catch one. Is that why MSU has so many wins versus U of M in the 2010s? 
Uh, MSU has so many wins against U of M in the 2010s because MSU was the better team most of that time. Recruiting ranks be damned. Yeah, it's not the games as CT and TC does not understand. Uh, next up from Anthony Garbert is borrowing a stat from verbose Dutch. Who's already showing up all over the place. Verbose Dutch is everywhere right now. Uh, the number of players that will have a positive plus minus in the big 10 play by the end of the season versus the number of remaining regular season wins. Oh man. We got a tag team on the over under, uh, question here from, from Garbert and this bonus is- points. If you can guess the one current player who has the positive plus minus, is that true? So I looked it up on Torvik and I see it differently. Um, I count a great number uh, who have a positive plus minus. But if you're looking for people who have a positive plus minus over three, uh, that is a list of three. Yeah, it's first off, most teams don't usually tend to have like that many plus minuses. And then if you're a bad team, it's easy to have none or one. Um, so I'm going to go over on the wins here, but uh, like, who is it right now? On Torvik, who, who is it? Henry? In, in conference? is, is yeah. Again, what I'm seeing on Torvik is uh, Henry, it, it, all positive are Henry, Langford, Kithier, Hauser, Hall, Foster, Marble, Brown, Bingham, Hogard, and yeah, and that's it. But if you're looking for above three, it's just Henry, Hall, and Bingham. There's no way all those guys have in conference positive plus minuses. That's what that's what I'm seeing here. If that were the case, we'd be undefeated right now. But anyway, anyway, I think it's going to be somewhere in between the two of you. Uh, and I'm going to bet Foster Lawyer is the one with a current positive plus minus because RCMB Andy H has been putting those uh, numbers out. And while I don't study them, one of the themes that I remember seeing is that, and one of the things that you can just sort of tell is that the offense runs a little better when it's frosty out there pushing the ball up the court. So. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's my guess. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong stat. That's my bad. Anyway, um, Torvik doesn't have it. Next up. Get, get it together, Torv. Uh, next up from Carl, you do too much, bro. Uh, if we lose to Nebraska tonight and I commit Seppuku, will honor still happen? <laughs> well, Carl, we're, we're glad you're still with us, uh, first of all. <laughs> i love i love some of these questions uh it, carl i mean i understand where you're coming from on this and i'm glad that you were able to put the katana away for one more <laughs> night. But, but there will come another time where you where you will look over to it and uh you know every man has to make a decision for himself <laughs> Uh, next up from board pod more with more of a statement. Uh, 
I don't think it's understood how difficult it has been on this team to learn to play an offense that isn't run by Cassius. I mean, I, I we've been talking about how this team needs a point guard. Um, I also think they're trying to still run the same offense that was run by Cassius. Well, I mean, they're not making the point guards do a bunch of ball screen stuff in the same way that they were with Cassius. So it's close-ish. I mean, it, yeah, there's always going to be a hangover after Cassius Winston. And I, I, how hard did we harp during the offseason that it would be nice to add in a senior point guard to this team? To, Not as to often as we should have, but we certainly said it. It would have been nice to grab someone out of the yeah. out of the transfer portal. I can't claim that I like know everyone that was in there, but if there was just a senior point guard that knew how to play and facilitate offense on this team, Oof. the guys could just play their roles in a way that they don't have to overextend like they are right now. Yeah. Um, thank you, Board Pod. Next up, Evmarie24. Would you rather have recruiting wins or actual on the field wins? Well, I think I've learned from CT that recruiting wins are the one true wins. So I'll take those. Thank you. And you also get Heisman's more Heisman's that way. So I'll take the recruiting wins. Yep. Uh, It's perfect. Michigan historically second in the big 10 still (laughs) can't win it there either. Next up vodka soda 19. It's almost President's Day. Who's yeah. your favorite, favorite president of all time and why? My favorite president of all time is the Hamilton. president from Independence Day, who gave the most rousing speech in U.S. history. Um, what Now, as a James Madison student, now you answer this question. Hamilton. Are you just going to go after this podcast is over and just read your Federalist Papers and just be like, oh, God, Alexander, you're so Uh, prolific uh, in your writing. And so not actually a president. Um, I don't know. Ben Franklin, maybe. Shit. Also not a president. Yeah. Um, You're just having fun. Nope. Um, Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's almost Valentine's Day. If you had to pick one of your co-hosts to be your Valentine, who would it be? She says mine would be Yali. That's fair. Yali is regularly on the pod. Yeah. Yeah. That's the fourth, the fourth tier of podcast uh, I believe Greg and I have both uh, slumbered in the same bed. And I believe I've kissed Alex. So I don't know that I can pick one. Choose. You must choose. <laughs> Yali. It's Yali. I choose Plum. Uh, next up from Nick Kamansky. <laughs> How did MSU football pull off the unthinkable and edge out Vanderbilt's football class with 24-7 sports combined rankings? Yeah. Yeah, take a hike, Vanderbilt. Take a hike. There's a new chief in town, all right? Uh, next up from Nick Kamansky, this week's rankings, KG equals Lad for his love of Coney's. Correct. This is correct. And his acknowledgement of my survey response, also correct. I know how to pander. Jonesy equals dude for looking up the Applebee's menu. And Plum equals guy, not here to defend himself, for refusing to acknowledge the greatness of Lad, which is objectively better than Chap. Objectively. Yeah. I I think we can put that one to sleep at this point. Uh, Uh, 
Next up from Nick Kamansky is who are your MSU basketball doppelgangers and why? I got to say, I'm certainly a Steven Izzo. And uh, I am uh, a Kithier. Uh, Bingham. I mean, the slenderest of, of men, right? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Has there been a slenderer man than Bingham on MSU's basketball squad? Payne also comes immediately to mind. Yeah, yeah. But I think Bingham's a slenderer man. Um, and Plums and Ishbia? Sure. I mean, he's got that white boy cut right across the front on the forehead. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bonus question, because apparently because Nick was so kind in his survey response, again, survey in the show notes, uh, we're going to let him have as many questions as he wants. Bonus question. Who is your favorite composite four-star recruit in MSU football's 2021 recruiting class? This is a uh, trick question that he set up to be mean. Great, Nick. Um, I want to congratulate <laughs> you on your win that you still lost to Ohio State on and will not translate yet again into on-field wins. Congrats, buddy. Congrats. Next up, John Hubbard. Kirk Cousins is to Cassius Winston as Andrew Maxwell is to... Rocket Watts. (laughs) And by the way, you slandered Cassius Winston in this analogy. Uh, Next up... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about... No! No, no, I'm saying... I'm saying John slandered. Even even doing the analogy to Kirk Cousins is is hurtful. Um, what is the pod going to talk about during an MSU less MSU less uh, March Madness and before the spring game? Are you even going to record, John? We did months with no sports. John, we were born into the no sports. We yeah. were formed by it. it we, it's almost like we we started a pod at the worst possible time. As someone has pointed out, we've really only had an, a full football season, a full Mark D'Antonio football season, and then and even, even then we didn't start publishing. Yeah, yeah, and then we had a basketball season that was tragically cut short. We had a football season that was this most recent football season, and now we have this basketball season. So as a pod, we have um, we're we're earning our stripes. Yeah. 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 It's been a worst of time situation already. Thank you, John. Cannot wait for the best of them. Uh, next up is Elon Bloom. Now that the schedule is out, what are your 2021 football record predictions? Great question, Elon Bloom. I think we will table this for the summer unless you want to do it now. You Well, you already said seven to nine wins, right? Yeah. There but you go. You know what? We'll do a deeper dive later on. Uh, next up from Elon Bloom at this point in the season, can you even pick an MVP from the basketball team? It's, it's Aaron, right? I mean, it is, but it like compared to his expectations, he's not an MVP. So I guess Aaron, Josh, I mean, honestly, Josh is probably playing better than we ever thought he would. He's MVP of the last week. Still better than I ever thought he would. That's not true. But All right. anyway, uh, next up from uh, Elon Bloom, how many more transfers will we see come 2021, uh, come in for the 2021 football year? We Six to nine. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> you said it. Next up is Mama Maple Leaf. Can't read, can't write. At Spartan Pod. Two guys, one podcast. Wherever you find, fi- find podcasts, find fine podcasts, 
Go green. This is the, of course, our Twitter bio. Uh, clearly needs a rewrite. She says, uh, which one of you three doesn't want to be associated with the podcast? Is it something the other one said? You'll notice there's only two of us here today. Yeah. One of us is uh, not truly an official member of the pod. We'll just say that. <laughs> or is just politely distancing himself from us bozos it's me uh, i'm nah. it's not truly i've been replaced entirely next up for us dutch who's already contributed so much to twitter questions what's normal levels of power five sport power five sports filling philanthropy philanthropy wow wow what's normal levels of power five sports philanthropy msu has sekia not anymore. Sekia died of COVID. I don't know. Did we not cover that when it happened? I don't think so. You okay. still got a coach named after him. Anyway, uh, surprise. Uh, sorry for both Dutch. Uh, Scandalaris uh, McLean, although he's only put his name on the baseball stadium. Uh, Gilbert, etc. And now Ispia, along with former athletes like Steve Smith, Flozell Adams, Draymond, Magic giving money. Is this something MSU excels, exceeds the norm? Sure feels like it. Uh, I think it, I think MSU definitely exceeds the norm in terms of former players that give back. I think that might be fair to say. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that we're, um, we're also sort of uh, we're pulling in more billionaires than uh, you would expect for a land grant institution. I mean, you put a lot of people through the university and then they <laughs> they eventually strike gold. Eventually, you're going you're gonna to hit on a few. Um, <laughs> I did see a tweet listing out the number of billionaires that MSU had, and it got a lot of traction. It was also wrong. I knew of at least one more than that. Um, so I, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I, I think a lot of power five programs, I mean, if you like Penn state had a guy that just like spun up a hockey team from nothing. I mean, that's a lot sure. of money. Uh, uh, obviously Florida state fired a coach, uh, after like a season and a half yeah. because the, the donors wanted it. Yeah. Texas has unlimited money from donors. Um, I don't Keaton know. Who, Pickens. Yeah, that that's a huge one. Like they just they have a dude that runs Oklahoma State. Yeah. He just gets what he wants down there. And what he wants is a football coach with a mullet. <laughs> uh, and then obviously U of M has Stephen M. Ross uh, and there's some other big names in the Big Ten. So I, I think we're doing OK. Um, I think we're doing definitely top half in the power five. What do yeah. you, is that your impression as well? I think, I think we do well. Um, it, it's strange cause it feels like Scandalaris was just built. And so yet it feels behind. It was you built mean- less than 10 years ago, but still Clemson has a slide in their building. How are you supposed to recruit against that? Michael Jones, you tell me. A slide. Next up is B-list. Would this Spartan basketball team be 60% better if it was a normal season with no COVID and full arenas? I mean, it would have the benefit of the Breslin Center. We'll say that. I mean, it would be better. I'm not sure about 60%, but it would be... The the record would be better. 
I think maybe uh, our estimations of Rocket could be different if he'd actually had a little bit more time to practice and gear up in some softer non-con games. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think we're he's warranted the hammer, but like, I'm just speculating he, yeah, that could be different. And then that, that change, then we might have a point guard. So um, next up, sponsor time, asking a question. <laughs> Getting involved, made. slumming it. Preserved Homemade asks, the three of you own a restaurant together. Who is the chef? Who is the bartender? And who is the maitre d'? Can I uh, volunteer to be the chef? <laughs> I mean, you, you do know that you are the weakest link here. We have a chef who actively hates food. <laughs> <laughs> you would have to be the maitre d'. You'd have yeah. to be. Yeah, I think I'd have to. Uh, I would just like have long slo- uh, long strides taking people to their tables. They'd be like, um, can you slow down? Yeah, uh, I would be like, no. But you'd be able no. to sort of pull plates with your dainty hands to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you the bartender? Or are you the chef? I'd have to get with Plum on this one. We might have to do one on one off. You know, just alternate nights, rotating menu, that kind of a thing. Fair enough. Uh, next up is Joe Ashworth, who I think has asked a question before, but it's been a bit. Joe, welcome back with a great question. Marky B. Marcus Bingham comes to you, the pod, and says, I need you. Help me get my weight up. Meal plan a week for the lanky lad. What restaurants, dining halls, foods, etc. would you prescribe? I don't know that we're going to do a full week. This is this would have been a great summer question. A great summer question. But uh, let's start here. Um, Greg, what is what's your restaurant? Give, give me two restaurants for him. One one international center, one off campus. Uh, off campus, I'm going to go with, uh, you're going to go Woody's Oasis because you're going to get the meat sandwiches and they're going to come bursting at the seams as they do eat at Woody's, not a sponsor, but do we eat at Woody's, uh, in the dining halls, man, gobble up those, uh, go to, go to the case hall, a lot of protein at the case hall. That's, that's the whole thing. Um, lots of chicken. You got to get the fried chicken though, Marky. You got to get stuff with bread on it. You need you need carbs, man. It's very clear. Mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. of us trying to avoid carbs. You you need them. I'm not trying to avoid carbs. But yeah, anyway. we get it. You're slender for me. Uh, when I was in high school, I don't think my uncle listens to the show, so I'm going to share this anecdote. He was like, "You want to put some weight on? Get yourself some whipping cream and ginger ale drinks." And I was like, "What?" And he was like, yeah, <laughs> whipping cream in ginger ale. And I, I got as close to actually buying both of those things at the same time and looking at them in the refrigerator before deciding there's no way I'm making this drink and putting it in my mouth. <laughs> there's no way. So anyway, Uncle Steve, I appreciate the attempt. Uncle Steve's not funny, so I don't think it was a joke. I think it was... I think he actually was trying to help me out here. Uh, but uh, hey, uh, Marcus Bingham, try a whipping cream and ginger ale. Tell me if it's actually any good. <laughs> uh, I got to imagine you got to hit uh, like a, I don't know, a Conrad's late night though, right? That too. That too. Yeah. And have some uh, Woody's brody. for dinner and then have a, an OGCT for dessert. Sure. Uh, great question, Joe. Uh, and maybe he should 
try and sneak his way into the dedicated dining and nutrition center for the football team when it's built. Um, next up, Raymond Chains. Are you excited for the next episode of Behind the Seams with Tom Izzo? Uh, audio clip one. Now, Steve, Daddy explained why you can't always play in games. Audio clip two. Man, Coach's sausage always tears up my guts. <laughs> clip three. I didn't read these. Tom, you're going to break your knuckles. <laughs> I just picture Tom Izzo's picture with the waveform of each one of these flying. <laughs> <laughs> and then going back to the the host of the show and being like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep <laughs> daddy did explain why you can't always play in games stevie oh and then they like shuffle their papers and glance over at their their uh co-host and then they just move on move on. on like we're doing right now uh <laughs> is jonesy canceled after last week, or does he have to attend seminars on allyship for LBGT and the Slenderman community? Yeah, we can't read, can't write Twitter questioners, okay? Putting philanthropy and allyship in these for us to just read off the cuff? Yeah. Come on. No what do you think this is? Um, but what have you done to, to make right with the LGBT community in the last week, Jonesy? Plum wrote the copy. I told him I would read it blind. I did. Plum wrote the copy. Jonesy makes excuses. It's disgusting. Next up, will MSU football have national recruitment from here on out, or will climate change just destroy civilization? (laughs) I like how those are the options. Either MSU will have national recruitment from here on out, or climate change (laughs) turns us into a water world. Those are the options. Those are the two possible outcomes of of this timeline that we're on and uh finally from raymond james is keon going to result in a few more wins for the spartans uh he'll never play on the basketball side of things but sure why not why not be talking about football but sure yeah then yeah potentially uh yeah i i think i think well i don't more wins i think he'll be a contributor uh next up upper deck jerk guy what did you think of gabe brown's performance Finally, it landed. It finally came home for you, Upper Deck Jerk Guy. Uh, we thought Gabe played well. I mean, right? Sorry, I was taking a swig. Thank you for the boards, Gabe. Thank, Thank you for you. the boards, my friend. Uh, also, the home team, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, have defeated the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So what's important here is that Drew Stanton and uh, Will Golston have Super Bowl rings. That is what's important. And Tom Brady, I'm ready for this to be over. Right? He's not going away. He's not going away. Anyway, uh, we are going away uh, after these next couple of questions. Uh, Upper Deck Jerk Guy, question number two, is recruiting really the lifeblood of a program? Sure. I mean, you have to have people to play football. Um, and as Greg and I disagreed on earlier, it's nice to have tall people and big people to play offensive line, for instance, but you have to coach those people and, uh, see Michigan state wins over Ohio state and Michigan for the past, uh, 10 years as examples of coaching up over somebody. Um, but you've got to have dudes there to begin with. 
So I, I really do genuinely believe that there is some degree of recruit inflation for some teams and MSU will never benefit from that. But I also at the same time believe genuinely that what's most important in recruiting is peer groups. And when MSU was winning, it was the measurables for the team in terms of recruiting were never that impressive. They were never Ohio state levels. They were never that high, but there was a peer group that we were beating out other teams for in terms of that our three star trash recruits that was higher than it is right now. So I think there is a degree to which you do need to bring in the guys at the end of the day. And hopefully you can put a bandaid over it with the transfer portal. Maybe it's better than, I mean, in the John L years, we would, we would just talk about who's coming in from, from, uh, uh, what's it called? From the small colleges, Juco, uh, Juco's the Juco route. Juco was the transfer portal back in the day. And then Mark D'Antonio basically didn't take transfers for 10 years. And now we're trying it again. Hopefully, hopefully it'll work and hopefully it's temporary. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think that the recruiting peer group for this class was that spectacular. Yeah, that'd be something to dive into uh, a little bit later, uh, for sure. Um, but uh, last question, upper deck, upper deck jerk guy, where are my cookies? We're going to pick one up for you, upper deck jerk guy. We'll send it over. Yes. All right. Uh, that wraps up the this week's Can't Read, Can't Write. Um, we got two big games in front of us, Kevin. So... Uh, we are looking forward to hopefully chatting about two wins next week. That would be the first time in a long time. And uh, until then, go green. Go by Michael Jones. <laughs>